I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We want a man in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the future of war. Resistance is futile. Yes, Jedi's strength flows from the Force, but beware of the dark side. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is uh, Reed's Cult, and you're listening to Tracks and Sci-Fi. Who is she? You know, I think I recognize the costume. remain just who on earth are you on earth i'm lee linda lee you just leave this poor kid alone and worry about the other one that flies because nobody gets in my way Tall buildings with a single bound and look right through things. Yes. Bend steel bars? Yes. Enjoy your prison, Supergirl. Ever and ever. <laughs> Alexander Solkind presents the action-packed adventures of a dazzling new superhero, starring Peter O'Toole. I must be sent to the Phantom Zone. Faye Dunaway, Mia Farrow. Venus? When? Brenda Vaccaro, Mark McClure. That's Clark Kent's cousin. Hart Bachner. And introducing Helen Slater as Supergirl. Adventure runs in the family.
Hello and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi, the podcast that keeps on giving geeky goodness. My name is Simon Meddings and I am your guest host for this episode. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for Rico for letting me slip into his armchair here in the dusty bunker once again. On this episode, I'm going to talk about the 1984 comic action film Supergirl. But first, let's have a brief history of this wonderful female superhero, or heroine, whichever takes your fancy. Supergirl was created by writer Otto Binder, or Binder, probably Binder actually, and designed by artist Al Plastino. She is the biological cousin of the iconic Superman, and her Kryptonian name is Kara Zoel. Now, the Supergirl character first appeared in Action Comics number 252 in May 1959. The title was The Supergirl from Krypton. Now, following the debut appearance, Kara adopted the secret identity as Linda Lee, an orphan who lived at Midvale Orphanage. She joined the Legion of Superheroes and subsequently adopted by Fred and Edna Danvers. In 1961, becoming Linda Lee Danvers. Now, there have been various versions of Supergirl after the character was killed off in the Infinite Crisis, but honestly, let's keep it simple, as that's a podcast in itself. So, we're here to talk about the big screen version. So, let's start off by playing the main theme from Supergirl the movie, which was composed by Jerry Goldsmith.
So I think after hearing that wonderful theme tune, we'll uh, we'll go into uh, the actual film. So I'm going to run through the film now of what happens in it. In case for those people who haven't seen it, uh, you should have. It's an old film. <laughs> um, so this is what happens in the film. We open past the titles to see Kara, played by Helen Slater, running through the white corridor saying hello to everyone and anyone, and generally acting like she is about eight years old. She comes across Zoltar, played by the wonderful Peter O'Toole, who clearly took this job to pay for his bar bill. Now, Zoltar, it is revealed, is the founder of Argo City. Now, we don't really know too much about Argo City, except that it's on a rock, uh, possibly a cast-off from the destroyed Krypton. I say we don't really know. I'm sure if you look into things, it'll, it'll come out. Now, Argo City is in inner space. Uh, not the inner space with Dennis Quaid and Martin Short. No, 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 no. But the inner space that is inside outer space. Okay, it's getting, it's getting way too complicated. We'll need Stephen Hawkins to sort that one out. Now, Zoltar has borrowed the Amiga Hedron, which is basically a ball of metal with lights inside, clearly held onto the hand by a ring. But let's not go there. Let's not ruin the fun. Now, this Amiga Hedron, or the Amiga Ball, as we're going to call it from now on, has the ability to create the illusion of life. Now Zoltar is a bit of an artist and <clears throat> he spends the majority of the time walking around uh, the city uh, making what he says are trees which are of course a vegetation on earth. How he gets to know all this we don't know. But Kara says that's where her cousin went so we automatically establish the connection pretty early on. Now <clears throat> Kara gets to see the Amiga head ball <laughs> and for some unknown reason, when Zoltar's talking to Mia Farrow, who plays uh, Kara's wife, um, he sticks it under his foot and casually kicks it towards the uh, the young girl. Which, of course, this ball is one of the power sources of Argo City. It's quite an important thing. But anyway, whatever he does, he kicks it over to Now, Kara designs and creates a dragonfly, quite a huge dragonfly, and gives the illusion of life to it by touching it, the wand with the... Amiga ball. Now this dragonfly flies off, goes round in circles. Uh, it's a nice little model, this, uh, this dragonfly is in the film, uh, mixed with a little bit of blue screen. And it flies off and bursts out through the city skin. This causes a massive vacuum and nearly sucks out Kara, but it does suck out the ball. Now, of course, Kara is saved by uh, Zoltar and uh, Kara's parents, played by Simon Ward and Mia Farrow. Now, the father has a bit of a moan at Zoltar about the fact the ball's buggered off into outer space and, uh, you know, how they're going to get it, the world's going to end, oh no, and Zoltar's saying, oh, I could go and get it in that big old ship over there, conveniently placed. But unbeknownst then, Carver sneaks off and jumps into the small capsule, which activates and zooms off through the binary chute. Zoltar, in a, for some unknown reason, decides to exile himself to the Phantom Zone. I'm sure there was other things he, he could have done, but no... No, he sends himself off there. Now, because of the, wait for it, gravitational radiation, this will cause Kara to gain her superpowers. Now, meanwhile on Earth, we get to see Faye Dunaway playing Serena, uh, a witch, uh, with a massive ego. Yes, of course, she wants to dominate the world. Oh, that old crook. And she's got a boyfriend with her called Nigel who, it turns out, is a bit of a wizard. Now, Nigel is played by legendary British comedian and writer and satirist Peter Cook. Uh, now, the Amiga ball shoots through the sky 
and lands in what looks like a bowl of hummus uh, on their picnic. Now, of course, Serena picks this up and automatically knows that this is going to give her the power of world domination. Nigel is a little bit sceptical about it all and watches as Serena decides to leave him in the lurch by jumping in the car. Of course, Nigel's standing there showing off, going, I've got the keys, Serena! And, of course, Serena uses the Amiga ball to start up the car. As he starts up the car, of course, we hear a radio news announcement telling us that Superman has had to leave Earth on a peace mission. Um, the reason why this was, of course, was the fact that Christopher Reeve was meant to be in the film briefly. Uh, it ran about two scenes, but he, uh, he bowed out in the last minute. Um... I honestly believe it would have been better if Superman was in it, but I suppose at the end of the day you don't you don't want to take away from the title subject. Now anyway, Supergirl, who's been flying through this tunnel, uh suddenly bursts out of the capsule and uh is in costume. She's in costume. How did that happen? I mean it does look like there's some red and blue in the as cushions, but um according to the director, the capsule holds mystical power. That old chestnut. So she flies out the lake, uh, which is actually, um, to uh, to destroy the illusion, is actually a wooden picture of Helen Slater. Um, although it's done that quick, you'd, you'd never know. So we now know that inner space is actually, actually inside Earth, maybe. Or the inner... I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, she flies out of the river and lands on the banks of uh, the river, which I believe is, is filmed up in Scotland. Now she finds that she has these superpowers. She crushes a rock, she heats up a pretty flower, and then does some fancy flying moves. Now Slater, Helen Slater, is actually really, really good. She practiced um, something like three hours every day for two months to get the to get the flight right, which is incredibly hard. They they actually changed the um, the way they did the flight in this film than what, how they did it in Superman. They they wanted Supergirl to be a little bit more graceful, um, and I think it, it really does um, come out on this. She is really, really good. Uh, now, Kara has a wristband, which Zoltar had made using his, uh, his like painting wand. And this activates, it lights up whenever the Amiga ball is, uh, has been activated. So she flies up into the sky and has a good old look around. And then she lands in uh, the town of, ooh, I think it's called Midville. But it's a, it's a fairly hick looking town just outside of Chicago and here she lands a lobby comes up stops in front of her and she encounters Max Headroom well I say Max Headroom she encounters Matt Frewer and his impressive jaw now him and his buddy trying to get a little bit jiggy with her bad news boys bad news we have a little bit of slow motion fight scenes going on now uh, which is a bit weird um, I mean, you know, if you kick someone, I'm sure, I think they'd probably shoot through the uh, through the fence. But um, this one guy just casually floats. And the dialogue's not too good in this, but for some reason, uh, when uh, Supergirl asks the question, "Why are you doing this?" Uh, Matt Frewer says, "It's just the way we are," which is a, a bit weird. So I think we they know not to say anything about it. They get battered and off flies. Supergirl. Now back at Serena's party. Yes, she's having a party now because she knows she's going to have world domination. We notice that no Nigel uh, seems to know a lot more than Selena. He actually shows an image of a an evil beast in the mirror, and and uh, he knows a lot of what's going on. And just to brass Selena off, uh, he goes to chat up a uh, a blonde party girl. Um, this is actually played by Sandra Dickinson, who had recently just appeared in Superman Three. 
Now, um, Selena gets her, gets her own back on Nigel by turning Sandra Dickinson's uh, character upside down and spinning her around. It's a little bit of show fun, but um, what goes on? But it's that little bit there where you see there's another side to Nigel because he turns around and says, leave her alone, um, take it out on me. So although he's one of the bad guys, so to speak, um, he does look like you know he's not, not totally evil. He doesn't help himself, mind you, but there you go. Now, Kara... Uh, conveniently falls asleep with some rabbits. How cute. And she awakens to see them bouncing around, a little bit like a Snow White thing going on there. I think they're trying to produce how goodly and kindly she is. Now, as she wakes up, she hears some noise and pops over to a bush and sees that some girls are playing ball. And miraculously, as she's watching all these schoolgirls, she's able to copy the uniform and also dye her hair brown, which is a wig, but we're not meant to know that. Um, and suddenly turns, does the classic, walking through the forest, halfway in a uniform, halfway in a school uniform, and comes out totally dressed up. Not explained how. We have no idea how that happens. Is it something to the, the her thing on her wrist? I don't know. I don't suppose you meant to look into it too hard, but uh, it would have been nice to have had that, um, you know, kind of like revealed. Now she walks into college and speed types a letter um, to a, to the principal, which is meant to be from Clark Kent. So here we suddenly realise that Clara knows about Superman being on Earth, Zoltan knows about trees, and we also know that um, Clark Kent, that she knows about Clark Kent. So I'm presuming somewhere along the line Superman has either visited Argo City or it's written down in scribe somewhere the, of what happened to the last son of last son of Krypton. Um, because otherwise, how would she know? But hey, there we go. Now, Carla takes the persona of Linda Lee, and she gets to share a room with. Yes, you've guessed it. Who would have thought? The you know, I mean, it's such a big world. She gets to share a room with none other than Lucy Lane, sister of Lois Lane. <laughs> Who would have thought it? Now, Linda, in uh, Lucy's room, sees a poster of Superman doing that wonderful, iconic pose of him pointing to the sky. And you can't help but think, oh, man, it would have been so good to have seen Helen Slater acting with Christopher Reeve. But hey-ho, there we go. Now, meanwhile, back in uh, Evilville, um, Selena has decided that the best way to rule the world is for everybody to love her. So she practices this on the gardener called Ethan, who she sees in the school Grounds. Now, Ethan is played by Hart uh, Bockner, who per- most people will know played Ellis in Die Hard. Um, now, apparently, uh, um, the actor, uh, Hart, um, didn't have anywhere to live at the time of filming. I mean, he, he wasn't like homeless or anything. He was just in between apartments and, and lived with the director for, for quite a while. And it was during this film they actually showed a big interest in wanting to go into directing and producing. And, and indeed, that is exactly where Hart has gone on uh, to work. Now, back in school, Linda has settled in and does some fancy sixth-dimensional geometry, much to the annoyance of Nigel. Yes, that Nigel, who happens to be a maths teacher. Ah. So, we see a little bit of bullying going on as well in the school. There's a couple of horrible, snidey girls who who want foul uh, Lucy at the hockey match and then decide to go and smack a baller but of course she's saved by Linda who turns her back on the ball and it smashes and no one questions it a little bit later on uh, we're now all in the shower and we get a little bit of uh, Linda Lee here enjoying a shower clearly they don't have showers in Argo City I don't know how they 
How do they clean? Maybe they don't sweat. Who knows? But um, she's enjoying a shower. But while she's enjoying the shower, she overhears uh, some um, bullying kind of plotting going on about turning the heat really up. And so it would scald the girl. So Linda uses her heat vision to go through the tiles. No marking, just through the tiles and uh, heating up the wrench which of course causes all the water to spray everywhere and the bullies get a good comeuppance because they come running into the shower and fall over and make a bit of a scene. Now, while this is going on, Serena creates a love potion. This is a practice potion that she wants to spread around the world so everyone loves her. And she puts it in a can of soda and gives it to Ethan, who has been summoned to her abandoned lair, which is an abandoned fun fair, um, to do some gardening for her. Of course, he drinks it and he, he then passes out and her plan is going ahead. But who should turn up but Nigel? Nigel turns up wearing one of the world's worst outfits. I can only say I don't know who designed it, but it's this grey, leathery, leisure suit. Yes, it's 1984, people. People call them leisure suits. Now, whilst Nigel is uh, talking rubbish and getting spots on his face uh, caused by Serena, Ethan escapes. And uh, when Serena finds out, of course, she shouts at the mirror and amazingly... The mirror shows where Ethan has got to. Yes, he's on his way back into town. Now, to get Ethan back, Serena magically makes a bulldozer go after him and to scoop him up. Now, whilst all this has been going on, Lucy, uh, Lucy Lane has revealed to um, uh, La- uh, Linda that her, her sister's friend, Jimmy Olsen, played by Mark McClure, the only actor who's appeared in both Superman and Supergirl. He's turning up and, of course, Lucy thinks that Jimmy's got a bit of the hearts for us. It turns out he has. And they go to a burger joint and have a good meal. Of course, uh, I should point out here that none of this exists. Um, The town is all built at Pinewood Studios here in good old England. And uh, I think it looks pretty authentic for what, what, you know, for what it's meant to be, but uh, it's all done now. This bulldozer comes down, scoops up Ethan, and Lucy runs out and shows that she's got a bit of, bit of determination. She jumps onto the bulldozer to get uh, to try and help, but she gets knocked out uh, on the right-hand side of her head. A little bit later on, you'll notice that she rubs her left-hand side. Bit of a continuity fault there. Now, Linda changes, uh, as, changes into Supergirl and fires out and puts the fire out because this bulldozer's gone running a mark and has destroyed a petrol station and there's fire everywhere and there's, there's locusts and there's rain and there's, there's no locusts. It's just, just a fire. So the water comes down because Supergirl flies through a water tower. A lot of wire work going on there, but that's actually a model that goes through the water tower. She then flies low over a load of hay, causing all the hay to go up so people can't see that she's there because she doesn't want anyone to know what's going on. All the effects here are done by the legendary Derek Meddings. Uh, wonderful name, that. Wonderful name. And Derek uh, is most well known for doing a lot of work on Jerry Anderson stuff. Uh, a lot of the miniature um, stuff on James Bond. In fact, he did a, did a load of stuff in the 70s and 80s. Uh, I believe Goldeneye was his last one. And, of course, he did Batman. Um, now... Uh, as Supergirl's um, trying to save this, she scoops off the takes the scoop off the bulldozer and takes it away. Now, this was actually some really good choreographed work here because uh, Helen Slater was on wires. The scoop of the bulldozer 
uh, which is obviously not made of metal, is also on wires. And they had to choreograph the whole thing so both sets of wires moved at the same time. And when you look, it's pretty seamless. They do a really good job there. And, and, and I think it's a um, testament to all the, the crew on this film. Now, when uh, Supergirl lowers the scoop down, she opens it up. Of course, she gets changed because Ethan's going to wake up and she can't be seen as, as Supergirl. Now, the spell was that as soon as Ethan wakes up properly and opens eyes, whoever he looks at, it's that old chestnut, of course, he falls in love and of course he opens his eyes and sees Linda and expresses his love to her and they kiss kiss isn't the best thing in the world there because uh, Kara has never kissed before bear in mind she's supposed to be quite young uh, and uh, the words could do better but she does practice a little bit later on when she gets back to her college room she, she starts puckering up and, and nearly tries to kiss herself in the mirror but before that happens Serena is in absolute anger she's angry about the fact that her plan has gone awash and so she has seen it all, of course, on the mirror. Now, in, in, to get her own back, Serena creates this huge monster. It's an invisible monster to come and get Linda and destroy her and to kill her. And uh, this effect is done by miniatures and also real-life effects. Again, done by Derek. Linda sees this monster coming and flies out of the window and does a really nice blend change into Supergirl and tries to fight an invisible monster. She gets knocked about quite a little bit there. But she wins the fight by electrocuting a lamppost and then electrocuting the monster. Who would have thought? Now, Linda's bracelet lights up and she decides to go walk about and she finds herself in the funfair into Serena's lair. Unfortunately for her, Ethan has been stalking her and there he is, now all clean-shaven, in a nice Miami Vice style suit, carrying the, uh, the <laughs> carrying a huge bunch of roses and a heart-shaped box of chocolates. Bless him. He announces his undying love for her and tries to pick her up to her, which he can't do. Now, it doesn't really make sense. I'm not too sure why, why you can't pick her up. She doesn't weigh, like, five tons, but, you know, hey-ho, there you go. Now, Selena comes out and puts them both into the waltzers. I don't know about you, I've, I've never been a big fan of waltzers. I don't, I don't like the waltzers. I, I threw up pretty badly on some waltzers. And um, amazingly, though, none of my uh, projectile vomit hit me. Uh, it hit the four other people in the waltzer, and uh, I, I walked off unscathed. Um, and to be fair, I walked off pretty quickly. Now, the waltzers go madly round fast, really, really fast, and Linda's disappeared. But of course, who should turn up but Supergirl? And she announces to Serena that she does not scare easily. Serena then makes herself into various clones uh, and throws Ethan uh, into the middle of a load of bumper cars, which are quite frightening, actually, because these bumper cars are, are like NFL players. They've all grimaced faces. Anyway, Supergirl manages to throw a load of metal rods at Serena, creating like a cage, and then pulls a dodging car out and carries it off to a remote beach back in Scotland. Uh, Ethan wakes up and then uh, gets hit on the head with a coconut sent by Selina. Now, Nigel produces the Bellamundi wand, a very evil black wand. It's almost like a voodoo wand. It's, it's quite a horrible thing. And they watch via the mirror Supergirl and Ethan kiss. And Ethan then realises that this is actually Linda. Ah, the magical kiss. Now, Serena magically makes Ethan disappear and appear chained up in her own bed. Looks like a tame version of Fifty Shades of Grey to me, if that's what's going on. Now, Serena ends up making Nigel look old, steals his wand, and then also creates a huge mountain with a fortress on top. Yes, 
Every megalomaniac needs a fortress on top of a mountain. Supergirl races back and enters via the front door. Bit easy. Bit easy. You'd have thought she'd have put a lock on it, but there you go. Ethan's clearly out of his skull uh, with magic and everything because uh, he's lusting over Savina. And Supergirl goes to help him, but suddenly finds herself smacked through the mirror. And there she is, she's trapped in uh, the, the mirror cage, just like we saw General Zod and his cronies uh, get uh, banished in. If you hear any screaming and uh, and, <laughs> and noise in the background, uh, I'm not torturing people. Um, it's just that it's a summer's day here in England. Who would have thought it? Lovely summer's day. So uh, all the kids are playing outside, um, just in case you're wondering or in case you pick it up. It's normally cars or aeroplanes or, or something like that. Anyway, back to this. Yes, now Supergirl is banished to the Phantom Zone. Oh, no. It's quite a muddy place, a lot of green goo everywhere. And who should turn up but Zoltar? And he's having a squirt. Not too sure what that drink is, but it's no surprise that Peter O'Toole's back on the drink. Um, now, the two decide to leave the Phantom Zone. There's a little bit of two in front of what's going on. Uh, but Serena causes some problems by uh, making it even worse than what it actually is and Zoltar unfortunately is taken away by like a kind of wind tunnel um, it's a bit of a shame I'd like to have seen Zoltar escape but there's almost like a Jedi thing going on here because you hear his voice a bit later on but more more about that in a minute now Supergirl does manage to escape she climbs up the rock and the sunlight hits her and boom she's got her powers back because she lost all, loses all the powers on in the Phantom Zone and it also appears that she's had time to nip to the laundrette and get her hair done because there's not a sign of that mud anywhere at all. She's in perfectly good Supergirl gear. Now, uh, Nigel, um, Jimmy and Lucy are, are captured and put into round cages. A wonderful line there where Nigel turns around and goes, Oh, good, the court in cages routine. Um, for you could imagine Peter Cook actually coming up with that kind of, that kind of line. Now... Serena knows about the Phantom Zone. She knows that Supergirl's escaped. I don't know how she knew about the Phantom Zone in the first place. Again, this is another one of those things. She's got all these massive textbooks everywhere. But, you know, is the Phantom Zone some kind of mystical place which has been known through maybe witches and wizards in the past? Uh, has it been used as a, a place of, you know, a prison place before? Um, not just used by the people of Krypton? Who knows? Anyway, she starts throwing her weight about with this wand, and then we suddenly have a wobbly floor moment. It's all like fire and molten lava and stuff underneath the wobbly floor, and Supergirl manages to help her friends and Nigel escape. And then Serena creates this huge monster, and Supergirl goes to fight him with this monster. For some unknown reason, captures her, and Serena's doing the movements of like, like a voodoo movement, a bit like the, you know, like in Temple of Doom, where the uh, irritating kid is stabbing Indy and all these kinds of stuff. A uh, bit of bad effects going on there. But Ethan, bless his cotton socks, has managed to crawl along to try and help her. And we hear Zoltar's voice come out of nowhere, a bit of a Jedi style here now, telling him that she can do it. She can do it. And of course, she escapes the clutches of this monster. And Nigel shouts out, here we get Nigel there, like redeeming himself. He shouts her that she needs to get Serena to confront the monster. And which she does, and she does this by flying around really quickly and manages to turn Serena around and she sees the monster. And in the same time, she grabs Bianca, who's Serena's friend, and both of them are banished in the mirror just as Ethan puts the lid back on uh, where the Amiga ball is. Everything sorted there, look. Ethan and Supergirl kiss. Boom! Where we? There we go. That's what we like to say. And so does Jimmy and Lucy. So... Double kissing going on. Oh, that's the 80s. They all agree to keep Supergirl's secret. And then Supergirl uh, 
leaves to take the Amiga Hedron back. She flies through the lake, and at the end of the film, you see her flying back towards presumably where she got from. It might take her a bit long to get there, but who knows? Meanwhile, the mountain's gone, and everything's back to normal with Lucy and Jimmy hopefully falling in love. And but we don't know what happens because there was never a sequel. Unfortunately, um, ratings for this film wasn't so good but we'll talk about that in a minute let's just talk a little bit about the cast now the big name in this cast in this film was Faye Dunaway uh, of course a lot of people know Faye Dunaway as being in Bonnie and Clyde the Thomas Crane Affair both versions actually she put she was in the legendary Steve McQueen one also in the Pierce Brosnan one where she played the the uh, you know the psychologist kind of thing and she was also in Chinatown now uh, Faye Dunaway was born Dorothy Faye Dunaway on January the 14th 1941 in Florida um, she's still uh, in the trade now uh, Supergirl was played by the wonderful Helen Slater this was her feature film debut she was only um, 21 at the time of making this film uh, born Helen Rachel Slater on December the 15th 1963 so she's going to be nearly uh, 50, she'll be 52 this year um, actress, actress singer and songwriter uh, she's been married since 1989. Lucky man. Um, she was also in The Secret of My Success and appeared up in Smallville. She's got her own website called henneslater.com and you've got all of her songs and her albums and everything else on there. Peter O'Toole, of course, played Zoltar, born Peter Seamus O'Toole on the 2nd of August 1932 in County Galway or in Leeds. There's a bit of a dispute going on there. Well, I didn't notice that. I should look that up. He sadly passed away on the 14th of December 2013, aged 81. He was the last of the Hellraisers, the proper Hellraisers, the Oliver Reeds, the Richard Harrises. Of course, Peter O'Toole gained uh, fame from playing uh, in Lawrence of Arabia, uh, which is a wonderful film. One of his best films, I think, Peter O'Toole, was a film called Venus, which is really worth checking out. Uh, featured the film debut, I believe, of Jodie Whittaker. That's off the top of my head. Uh, other actors to appear in his film was Hart uh, Buckner. He played Ethan, of course, in uh, in his film, and he was in Die Hard. Mia Farrow played Alura Inzi, and Simon Blood played Zorel. Mark McClure, as we mentioned, returned as Jimmy Olsen. Uh, Peter Cook as Nigel. Uh, Maureen Teefy as Lucy Lane David Healy as Mr Danvers Sandra Dickinson as I mentioned as the pretty young lady and of course Kelly Hunter and Matt Frewer now then before we talk about some little tech stuff here's a comment from someone who's just watched the film so I'm joined uh, briefly by a giggling special person and what is your name? Isla and how old are you? Five Five, and what have we just watched on the television? Supergirl. Supergirl, the movie. Yes. Did you like it? Yes. Why did you like the film? Because she can fly. And what else can she do? Use her eyes to get stuff. Like a heat vision. Yeah. And she can blow things really cold. Yeah. So, do you think you look a bit like Supergirl? Yes. Would you like to be Supergirl? Yes. Why? Because she can fly, and I like when she flies. You like when she flies? Yeah. Did you think the film was a good story? Yes. What was your favourite bit in the film? When she flies. When she flies. I'm, gonna, I'm seeing a repeated thing here. So basically, it's <laughs> anything. It, what, you like Superman as well, don't you? Yeah. We've watched all the Superman films, haven't we? 
Not all of them. Which is better than the Superman film or the Supergirl film? Both. Both really good. Why? Um, because they both can fly. It's definitely flying, isn't it? Yeah. We can't fly though, can we? No. But you could dress up as Supergirl though. Yeah, only if they had the costume. Yeah. You've got the hair though. <laughs> yeah. So the girl, the, the lady who played Supergirl, that's uh, a woman called Helen Slater. Do you think she played, did a good job? Yeah. And what about the nasty people in the film? Were they really nasty? Yeah. Was you glad that they got banished in the end? Yeah. So would you watch Supergirl again? Yeah. Now, the, the music that you heard at the beginning, we've got the music of Superman here, haven't we, as well? Which yeah. is better, the music to Superman or the music to Supergirl? Medium. Medium. Medium, that's a very liberal answer. In between? Yeah. Yeah. So do you think there should be another Supergirl movie? Yes. Because there's not that many, many kind of like superheroes that are women, is there? Now, there is coming, Supergirl is coming back to the television, right? Did you know that? No. Are you excited about that? Yes. Would you like to see the girl who's going to be playing Supergirl? Yes. And her new uniform? Yes. This got released yesterday. I know. Are you excited? Yes. You look like you're excited, actually. <laughs> there you go. What do you think? Awesome. Awesome. Shall I blow it up a minute? So there blow she is. Up. You should blow it up. No, I'll blow the picture up, sorry. So what, what do you think? Awesome. Awesome. So that's they're going to make a pilot of that. The pilot's like a test episode. So do you think you're going to be watching it? Yeah. Should we, should we let you stay up to watch it? Yeah. Are you going to want to have a Supergirl outfit now for birthday? Yeah. Okay. Well, that was Isla. Say bye-bye to everyone. Bye-bye. Ah. Wonderful. She loves it. Um, so here's some tech stuff or some uh, factual information. The film was directed by, oh, and I hope I say this name right, <laughs> Jeanot Schwork. It was produced by Timothy Burrell, and the screenplay was by David Adele. It was, of course, based on the characters of Otto Binder and Al Pastino. Um, it came out, it was distributed by TriStar Pictures, and the release date, because this was a British film, um, it was actually made uh, with British money. Um, so it came out in Britain on the 19th of July 1984 and was released in America on the 21st sorry, of November 1984 at a budget of £35 million, and the box office, sadly, was only £14 million. Filming locations for this film was in the Black Park Country Park in Wrexham, Buckinghamshire. Uh, some scenes in Scotland... Um, although that's dated, but that's what the director says. Some scenes in Chicago, Illinois, in Manhattan, uh, they're probably like matte painting ones. And virtually the entire film was actually made at Pinewood Studios here in Buckinghamshire. They used the James Bond studio space, and uh, Pinewood's beautiful because there's so many buildings and so much land around it. Um, you, you could literally film uh, and pretend that you're in different places. Now, the runtime for this is pretty interesting because. Um, the theatrical version of the film uh, was the 105-minute uh, version, um, which, is, uh, which is what came out. There's a video version, which is 89 minutes. The original cut was 150 minutes. Of course, that's never seen the light of day. The version that I've just been talking about is the one I've got, which is the 124-minute version. <laughs> but there is a 138-minute um, director's cut version. Now, this was actually found um, in a container, uh, and it simply stated the words, do not use. This was discovered at Pinewood Studios in London. The negative inside the container was the full 138-minute director's version. Anchor Bay, 
have released this version on special edition DVD, but it was limited to 50,000 copies. The one you normally get is a 124 minutes one. Be careful if you want to buy this film because you can get the 89 minute version, which does have an awful lot cut out. The 138 minute. There's, there's there's not an awful lot really added in. It's just seen slightly extended and everything. Um, and it is really expensive to buy. Well, I say really expensive. It's about £45 to buy, uh, which is which I suppose in, in essence is quite expensive for, for this kind of film. Um, it didn't really get good, you know. Um, I think it's got like one star on Rotten Tomatoes, like 7%, and two stars on IMDb. It was pretty much slated in there. I know Faye Dunaway uh, and Peter O'Toole were were given um uh, and probably uh, uh Peter Cook were given like you know razzies and all this kind of stuff as worst performance. Faye Dunaway's portrayal in this film is pretty cheesy, it's pretty pantomime villain. Um but I'll come a little bit more to this in a minute. Here's some uh some little facts for you. Hopefully you might find this interesting. The footage of the vortex that appears behind Peter O'Toole and Helen Slater towards the end of the film was actually filmed underwater. Um, and that's a really not, it's a really good footage. I mean, nowadays, obviously, everything's done by CGI and it's all computing and manipulated around it. In, in 1984, again, we were relying on matte paintings and stuff. During the casting, Helen Slater shot two scenes, one dressed as Linda Lee and another wearing an early version of the Supergirl costume, which was very different from the one finally used. Differences included a headband and curly hair. Uh, DC Comics changed the comics costume into this version, not knowing that it wasn't the definite, uh, definitive costume. Uh, apparently, Brooke Shields was the first choice for the role of Supergirl. Um, you know, I could see Brooke Shields in it, but you know what? For me, oh, Helen Slater's good. Um, with a domestic gross of 40 million, the movie made the least money of all the films in the Superman series, just behind Superman The Quest for Peace, which is abominable. Oh, it's a terrible film that was. And that made 15 million. Dolly Parton was offered 7 million to take the role of Serena, but she turned it down, claiming that she couldn't play a witch, no, much, no matter how much money was offered. Uh, Jane Fonda and also Goldie Horn turned down the role. Uh, John Travolta and his various hairstyles uh, was approached to play Ethan thank goodness that didn't happen uh, almost 85% of the film was shot on the sound stages at Pinewood Studios Demi Moore was slated to play Lucy Lane but opted out at the last minute and the dean of the college that Linda Lee attends is named Mr Danvers now in the Supergirl comics of course Linda was adopted by a family named Danvers and even adopts their surname becoming later on Linda Lee Danvers so what do I think about the film? Well, I honestly really rather like it. Um, it's a bit smoozy, uh, but it has some good heart. Now, Helen Slater, I think, was absolutely brilliant as Supergirl, exactly as I hoped when I first saw it, of course. When I first saw it, I saw it at the cinema, I was 11 years old. Yes, I was a 11-year-old boy uh, starting to get interested in girls. And Helen Slater was only 21 at this time. So she was only 10 years older than me. 10 years older, not too bad. Still, there was still time, still chance. And of course, hey, look, you know, at the end of the day, I fell in love with, with Helen Slater. In fact, uh, I still do. I, I have a huge fondness for her. And one of my other guilty pleasures, I don't think you should ever say the word guilty pleasure, but uh, I really do quite like the film Secret of My Success. Now, my daughter, as you heard, um, is quite excited about the new Supergirl TV series, um, now, just at the time of recording this, I'm recording this on, on a Saturday, um, and we've just had released yesterday, in fact, the first photographs, the first publicity stills of Melissa, uh, is it Benoit? Benoit? 
uh, in the Supergirl costume. I think the suit and the cape looks absolutely brilliant. I think it's bang on. I know some people said, oh, it's a bit dark, but no, 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 no. I, I think this looks perfect. And Den of Geek uh, have done a nice little report on it saying that the, the costume is exactly what it should be. You know, there's there's none of this showing a load of cleavage going on, showing a load of bare leg. She's she's perfectly costumed up. I think, I think this is, uh, and I hope the pilot works and I hope it takes off because, you know, we need more, uh, female superheroes out there and we, we we know like my daughter you know she she can't wait to see it and she loves superman as well but i want her to really get into a into a super um you know um television program into a hero program and have a good female role model um so uh what can we say i hope you enjoyed listening to this um and I hope you enjoyed the, the music that we've put on at the beginning. Of course, the trailer will be there as well. I have no idea what's coming up next week for you on Trekking Sci-Fi, but what I will say is that there's a very active um, forum that you can join. Just head over to trekkingsci-fi.com and uh, sign up. Rico will uh, allow you in, and there's a great community there. And also, there's a really good Facebook page. Uh, if you're not into forums, but you do uh, spend a lot of time on social media, then why don't you sign up to the Facebook page? There's lots of conversations going on there, and a lot of... Tr- uh, sci-fi and geeky news um again you'll you'll find a lot of a lot of great people on there anyway my name's meds uh if you ever want to listen to me i do a podcast called waffle on podcast uh which is about films now yeah it used to be tv we well, do the odd tv stuff which is basically about films anyway thank you again for listening and uh, i hope you all have a great week and uh go grab a copy of supergirl put it on and just sit back and enjoy some popcorn nonsense okay uh, take care everybody Bye-bye. Now this I like. Hello. Hello, she says. Well, hello to you, honey bun. Hello. I was wondering if you could tell me where I am. Well, they call this place Eddie. Lover's Lane, isn't it? You got it in one, Billy Boy. Lover's Lane. Oh, no. You see, what I meant was, is, well, those lights over there, what are they called? Check out the view from back here, Eduardo. Oh. Stop hey. that. You're, uh, Superman's best friend, huh? No. His cousin. I've come here to search for the Omega Hedron. It's a power source vital to Argo City. You see, that's where I live. No kidding. Eddie and me, uh, we're on a secret mission also. We're out looking for a good time. And you just won the brass ring, baby. Oh, she works out, huh? Why are you doing this? It's just the way we are. to ourselves. 
What do you think? <laughs> 